everyone. It's Representative Liz Olson back for another edition of the Minnesota Values Podcast. And this is co-host Representative Jamie Long. And we are here today with the bill authors of House Files 8 and 9, which is focused around gun violence prevention, which is a huge piece of our first 10 bills and something we're excited to be here talking about. We were in committee until midnight last night. Uh, We voted out House File 8, which is criminal background checks bill, and then we voted out House File 9. Today we came back uh, for our continuation of the hearing. So maybe we'll start with you, Representative Dave Pinto, but before you talk about the bill, can you just let us know a little bit about who you are, what uh, your district is? Absolutely. So uh, Dave Pinto, state representative from District 64B, which is uh, the southwestern part of St. Paul, Highland Park, McAllister, Groveland area. Um, I serve as a prosecutor outside the legislature. So that obviously informs a lot of my work on gun violence prevention. Uh, I specialize in uh, in domestic violence, gender violence, sexual exploitation, but really handle a lot of cases. And, And of course, I see the involvement of guns in a lot of those cases. So tell us a little bit about House File 8 and why it's so important. Yeah, right. So House File 8 is criminal background checks on on, on private gun sales. Um, uh, right now, there's these background checks on sales uh, at dealerships, or dealers, pardon me, um, uh, for gun sales. So p- people, of course, uh, who are violent felons, who are domestic abusers, not allowed to have guns. Um, but uh, uh, we have these checks when they're purchasing, somebody's purchasing from a, a, federal, a federally licensed dealer. But we have quite a few checks, uh, quite a few sales, pardon me, through, um, through private parties uh, for which there are not those background checks. So somebody makes a sale to somebody else that they uh, may not know whether that person is, in fact, eligible to have that gun. Um, we need to be doing more to keep guns out of the hands of people who have shown themselves to be dangerous. We're talking here about people who have, in fact, proven themselves to be that way. And so what the bill does is says there should be those background checks on those sorts of sales. Yeah, and it's been a big week at the Capitol, but there's been a lot of buzz. We've had a lot of constituents reaching out to us about this. So can you tell a little bit about how the hearing went and maybe a powerful story that uh, you heard this week about the bill you're working on? Well, so um, the hearing went well. So just to sort of set the stage, set some context for folks. So um, the hearing was held starting at 7 p.m. Uh, last night. We're recording now on Thursday, so this would have been on Wednesday night. Um, packed hearing room, folks out in the hall. Of course, a lot of interest among Minnesotans. People may remember that about a year ago, there were similar hearings in the House under Republican control. Um, a very different outcome this time, now that we've got our, our House TFL majority. Um, so we had several hours of, uh, of testimony, an hour of testimony on the one bill. You're going to hear about the other in a minute. Um, and then um, and then some discussion, questions, etc. Um, we heard from law enforcement leaders, health professionals, um, and then certainly survivors um, who talked about the importance of taking this step and people talking about their personal experience of, of, of loved ones who they'd lost um, to, uh, to firearms and, and really calling out, as we've been hearing from students and so many others, um, to take this step. It was, a, it was a powerful night. It ran pretty long, as, um, as Representative Long alluded to, um, but, um, but, um, but a powerful night. And we also heard uh, House File 9 uh, in committee, and that uh, is Representative Ruth Richardson's bill. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your district? Thanks for having me today. I'm Ruth Richardson, and I'm in District 52B, which includes Invergrove Heights, Sunfish Lake, <laughs> Mendota Heights, and uh, a little bit of Egan. And um, yes, House File 9 was uh, heard last night. We had a late night that went uh, past midnight. Um, and came back today, and we were really excited to get that passed out. And so House File 9 is known as the red flag 
law bill um, or the extreme risk protection order bill. And what it basically is designed to do is to ensure that we are keeping um, guns out of the hands of people who might be a risk to themselves or, or to others. I mean, first off, Ruth, just thank you for the work you've been doing on this. And you too, Dave, just hearing both of you talk about the legislation and being here past midnight. I mean, this is really important stuff for Minnesotans. And part of the reason we do the Minnesota Values podcast is because we know Minnesotans care about one another. And gun violence prevention is one of the ways that we can work to make sure Minnesotans are safe and that we're taking care of our neighbors and really doing that. So can you tell a little bit maybe about a compelling story or something that came out of the work you've been doing this week that has been moving? to you and that has happened this week with you? Yeah, you know, this is really about saving lives, you know, getting to the, the, the values piece. And one of the things that really struck me um, kind of leading up to the, uh, the actual hearings was looking at the data on suicides in Minnesota and looking at um, uh, suicides by gun death uh, specifically. And so when we're looking at sort of that whole global sort of sphere of gun deaths in Minnesota, 80% of those, almost 80% are uh, suicides and the mechanism being used is a gun. And so that was something that was really eye-opening. And I had an opportunity to kind of dig down into some of that data to see what communities were really being hit hardest by this um, this uh, public health epidemic, and it's rural Minnesota. They are being um, disproportionately impacted, and I think there are a number of challenges in terms of access to services uh, within areas. There's issues of stigma as well, but it's um, a side of the discussion that we don't hear a lot about. I want to mention um, something that's jumping out at me and uh, maybe a bit of a behind-the-scenes point. So um, there was a, an issue that came up in the course of the House File 9, a question that came up about kind of, well, how is this working in other states and concerns about about how things are going to work. And actually, and just showing the work the legislators put in, um, Ruth, Representative Richardson, had, had gone to the work of contacting a number of other states on behalf of her bill to find out how is this working. Because uh, both of these proposals, as we probably should have mentioned, are in use in many other states, working very well, very popular, et cetera, et cetera. And so she had the chance to share um, uh, kind of the, the research that she had done about how things are really working. Yeah, we we learned some really interesting things from San Diego in particular. They have um, uh, really been focused on their red flag law for um, about the last year and a half. And we were really curious to know, like, how does this look in practice, right? If you have someone who has presented as either a danger to themselves or others, how do you go up about that process? And I was really surprised to hear when I talked to them, they had um, uh, just completed their 120 uh, 20th order and they made the statement that in 119 of those orders they were able to have people willingly um, surrender surrender uh, their guns just by having a conversation with them and um, there was sort of this whole idea that people have this vision of their home being descended on in the middle of the night and you know like this sort of very uh, military style exercise of, of like a SWAT force. And what San Diego has really discovered is, you know, we want to have a de-escalating sort of uh, first contact and have a conversation. And and 119 out of 120 of those cases, just by talking about like, we just need a cooling off period here, people uh, transferred their, their, guns, uh, their guns willingly. And you mentioned too, Representative Richardson, that 
there were some people who were actually grateful that the police had reached out. Yeah, so about a quarter of those uh, orders, about a quarter of them were for individuals who were at risk of suicide. And what really struck me were when the officials talked about the number of calls they got from individuals who were in a bad moment of time and um, had you know, someone to actually reach out, uh, someone who expressed uh, care about them. And uh, it, it was something that they were actually very grateful for. And so they had reached out to officials to thank them for, uh, in essence, saving their lives. These are such hard issues and bring up so much emotion from folks. We heard some really powerful personal stories from folks who had lost loved ones, lost family members. I'm just curious, you know, and thank you for doing this work. It's super tough and challenging topic matter. Are, were there stories that stuck out to you in terms of either ones that you heard in the hearings or others that you've heard uh, in your work on this topic? I mean, you know, I'd say that each of those stories that was shared um, has has its power because you've got somebody who's experienced great loss and then they're making the choice to to share that experience with other people for the benefit of um, of, uh, of other people so that they don't have that same experience. Um, I find that very, very powerful. So um, uh, I sat next to um, Bunny Beeks, who was sharing the experience um, of her mom, um, and uh, it became quite emotional, of course, uh, describing what had happened with her. But I, I feel like... This is part of the challenge with this um, with this issue for our state and for our country is there's so many and I, I it's um I tend to think as much in, in in statistics in addition to stories and just thinking the rate that that we're losing Minnesotans and Americans is so much higher than in other parts of the world any place we want to compare ourselves to um, and so unfortunately there are so many of these stories and Buddy told the story of her mom Burdell who was shot in a drive-by shooting. And they found out later that the individual shouldn't have had a weapon, had a prior record. So might have actually, this your bill, criminal background checks, could have prevented that individual from, from having a gun. Representative Richardson, was there a, a story that stood out to you? You know, at the um, end of the hearing for House File 9, uh, Representative uh, Moeller um, spent some time talking about, you know, her work and um, just a really tragic incident that occurred in Hennepin County um, at, at the courthouse. And just hearing sort of this background on um, this woman who uh, knew that she was in danger and had been reaching out uh, for help and was not finding any, and then to be um, tragically killed after being lured to the courthouse with her attorney was just a really heartbreaking, uh, a heartbreaking story to hear. And, you know, as Representative Pinto was saying, there were so many of these stories that we were hearing as we were sort of building up uh, to this moment. And one thing that really struck me, especially with the the red flag uh, bill, is in many states, the bill is born out of tragedy. Um, you know, the very first red flag law was passed in 1999 in uh, Connecticut after four uh, state lottery workers uh, were killed uh, by uh, a co-worker. And, you know, fast forward 20 years, Connecticut is still reeling from that. And they're still in a place of asking themselves, is there something that we could have done to uh, to prevent this. And, um, you know, the states that followed, Indiana, California, and, and most recently states like Florida um, as well, it's, it's one of those things that it just reminds you that we shouldn't have to wait for a tragedy to happen to act. 
mean, that's all incredibly powerful. And when it becomes like a mandate almost from the voices around us that have experienced this tragedy and it's touched so many of our lives. So Representative Pinto, you were around last year working and have worked on this for many years, but last year you mentioned there was a hearing. Representative Richardson is new this year and the two of you working on this together. Can you just speak to a little bit about what it's like to work on this issue together and also what's a little bit different about where we're at now and where where we're going to go moving forward in this session? So it's, um, I mean, it's a very different setup, right? And it does show that um, that it matters who's in charge. Um, we've got a, um, uh, a gun sense majority in the Minnesota House um, ready to take action. Um, to remind folks, um, there was a lot of, um, of energy after, after the Parkland shooting in, uh, in February and March of 2018, and the Republican majority tabled um, these same proposals, and we're now moving them forward. Um, at the time, so I had, I had signed up as authoring both of those bills. Um, I've been thrilled to have a partner this time, and Representative Richardson, um, to be authoring that second bill, the red flag bill. It's just so terrific to have another perspective and have a partner doing this work. We've been hitting it from different angles, and that's been great. Yeah, I would agree. And I am really honored to be able to work with uh, Representative Pinto on these bills. I've learned a lot working with him. And I am really excited that we've gotten this far because this is further than we, we got last session. And so I'm feeling really hopeful for the future. So one thing that seems to have changed from when we've worked on gun issues in the past, in my past professions, I've worked on gun violence prevention, and it's, it's always just seemed like this is an intractable issue, right? Like we can never break through. But the, the public has been amazing, right? Whether it's the moms or the students or the healthcare professionals. Can you just talk a little bit about the public groundswell that there is right now for making progress on real gun sense legislation? You know, one of the things that was really interesting and struck me in last night's hearing, so there was an overflow room, and the overflow room was was truly an overflow room. There was standing room only for a number of people, and so there were representatives from Moms Demand Action there and also representatives from the Gun Owners Caucus, and they were having conversations. And they were talking about the fact that they all could agree that they wanted to ensure that guns were kept out of the hands of people who were a danger to themselves or or to others. Um, How we get to that point, there was definitely disagreement on. But I think what is um, really just uh, a critical moment, I think, in this uh, discourse is a number of people that are showing up and continuing to show up because they really believe that it's time. Yes, this is maybe a different angle than you were thinking about asking the question, but I I agree. um, And I actually feel like this is a different perspective on, this is the Minnesota Values podcast. Um, I think we're seeing Minnesota Values in action in this work, both in terms of advancing community safety measures, which these are, but also in how that work is being done. Uh, We really saw, and actually there was some some action on social media afterwards, and people saying, you know, respectful conversation, strong uh, feelings, of course, and a strong debate, but, um, but a sense that this is how we do it in Minnesota, is that we have civil, productive conversations where we listen to each other and, uh, and we move forward um, together, not always with everybody agreeing because that's the way the process works. Having said that, though, circling back to what you're asking about in the first place, um, boy, you can sense the energy. And I want to point out that we had health professionals saying, hashtag, this is our lane. We belong here. You had, uh, of course, uh, family members uh, who've been impacted, and you had high school students and young people, and then you had law enforcement and point 
pointing out that the Minnesota chiefs of police and the sheriffs and the county attorneys and the and the um, police uh, union, Minnesota Police and Peace Officer Association, um, these groups coming out saying this is time. We need to take this step. And um, so I feel like we've got really strong momentum heading through the rest of the session for these. Bills. And if you're talking about Minnesota values, it may have seen if you were watching the hearing last night that there was a lot of a lot of division but if you zoom out a little bit if you think about what minnesotans care about do we have a sense for you know what what minnesotans feel about these bills well i mean yeah so the and, and there was funny we kind of people kept on saying different numbers but like it's 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 around 90 percent support right it's just massive support and when i think most people when they even look at what this is about of saying yeah sure we should make sure that if you're going to sell a gun to somebody you want to make sure that that person is actually eligible to receive it yeah there should be a court process where some concrete evidence can be provided to a court um if we think that somebody is a significant danger the court reviews it maybe for a little while there should be a separation between that person and firearms for some temporary period. Those are things that people look at. And again, just massive support, not just Democrats, Republicans, gun owners, even NRA members. Um, and of course, they're in use in states all around the country. There's no reason we can't move forward on these. Awesome. Well, thank you both for your work on these issues for the many late nights and probably the hundreds and hundreds of emails and phone calls you get every day. And this is important work. And we're so glad to have you leading the way for our caucus. So one thing we do to end every podcast is we ask each person to tell us something that maybe other people don't know about you or is kind of quirky or unusual or whatever you want to interpret that as for our listeners. So we didn't we don't give these questions ahead of time so that you kind of have to tell us something um, that we're going to get you on the spot on. So so the audience should realize that several other questions were in fact mentioned ahead of time. So I'm not quite sure why this one this one wasn't. But anyway, that's fine. You know, so so music is a really important part of my life. That's what sprang in my mind when uh, when that question was asked. And so uh, a piano, a saxophone, um, percussion and voice and um, and uh, a big part of my life kind of all the way along. And I have to say something that is really helpful to kind of get out of the nuttiness of the capital, um, but to have that have that sense of things to be able to engage in. Oh, let's see. Deep, dark secrets, I guess. Um, I got taken home in a squad car when I was in first grade. I did not do anything bad. I just got lost. So I got to ride in the front. That that uh, spurred your interest in uh, the field of law? <laughs> That's where it was uh, born and raised. Well, thank you so much to Representative Richardson and Representative Pinto. This has been great and I really appreciate your hard work on these bills. Yes, thank you so much. And listeners, uh, tune in again next week when you get to hear from more of our wonderful bill authors to talk about their legislation and learn a little bit more about our legislators.